anyway. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been something else. Uh, anyway. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe. The show Kurt Busick calls Please, you don't have to do this. Uh, we can talk about it. Just let my family go. I am the Max. Man is a... I, am, I am Max. We're working the kinks. We'll get it. I, I'm JR. Uh, the man is a wordsmith, honestly. Uh, every every syllable a symphony. It really is. Um, so how's it going? It goes. I finally yeah. got a Pennsylvania's driver's license. Cool. We've only been here two years. Yeah, so well, took, you know, took care of that right before uh, the current driver's license expires. That's impressive. When I was a kid, uh, and we moved to Georgia, we were there for four years, and my mom always had a Missouri license. Damn. Well, I really thought about like because Missouri doesn't check that hard. I really thought about like getting work to pay. For me to come back to KC just to get another license, <laughs> like just to like also do work. Like I'm not a, I'm a little bit I'm a freeloader, but also just to not have to like put together all the residency paperwork because right it sucks. It, well, it doesn't suck. It's just annoying. Yeah. Um, whole trip to the DMV. I think I was I was sitting there listening to my book. Uh, for like 45 minutes to an hour and then the actual process of getting the temp was like the printed the shitty printed one they give you that day right uh i think took 15 minutes so the yeah, dmv is not that bad guys just have your shit together it's it's one of those things like uh the it's the pat Oswald thing about the dmv about how like you only have to go in when they send you something. Yeah. And like they're there they they want to get you in and out. Yeah. Like they're busy, but like when you get up to the counter, the people working there are just like, you know, hey, let's do this, let's get it done. Boom 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 on to the next person. It's the people going to the DMV that are just like this letter has a picture of an eagle on it. Does that mean I'm getting an eagle? I can't care for an eagle. Yeah, the guy the guy that I talked to for like the residency identification and information, like all that paperwork. <coughs> he sat down, he's like, Okay, you've got your passport, you got social security card, you got all this stuff. Uh great, 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 good. Now I need two pieces of mail with your address on him. And I was like, I don't have mail. And he's like oh no and i was like but i do have my uh, lease and my w-2s and he's like okay no god you scared the crap out of me i was like really he's like i go i don't have any utilities in my name and he's like oh no i know it says that on the website but it could literally be anything i don't care oh. and i'm like yeah oh damn i did a lot of work just to get this stuff for you i have a give me some appreciation no, yeah. no, not getting out of that guy. He basically was like, okay, cool, da, 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 sign this thing, write me a check, wrote him a check, because I remembered to bring my checkbook, uh, and okay, great, they'll call you. Go get your picture taken. Go away. It's like, great, cool. So that's Max's five minutes on the DMV. 
cool, cool. I don't have a future as bright as Patton Oswalt's. <laughs> <laughs> Who does? No. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I thought we'd talk about Endgame. But first, I do want to talk about news. Okay. Because uh, there are a couple of things. First of all, uh, this could be really interesting. Uh, Hulu is doing, has announced a couple more Marvel shows that they're going to be doing. Okay. Um, one is Ghost Rider, and the other is Son of Satan. Um, or they they only ever really refer to it in the article as Hellstrom. But yeah, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, Ghost Rider, I'm generally on board with, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, if you do it like, okay, so I'm I'm crossing genre here. Well, it's all genre, but if you do it like Kung Fu, like the Michael Carradine Kung Fu, where he just wanders from town to town solving problems, like (laughs) like 70s Hulk, yeah, or yeah, exactly, desperately trying to not become Ghost Rider then becoming ghostwriter and then solving problems like as a formula yeah it's a little rote but i'd watch that that's fine i don't need a team dynamic like an ensemble cast like that you know a lot of your marvel shows end up pushing toward just do almost yeah i'm yeah i'm thinking like creature of the week and the, you know sure do do something like a buffy or angel where you have a creature of the week and then maybe an overarching villain for the season uh you know but yeah <clears throat> um and then son of satan as we've as we've discussed there are some things that are i think are really cool about the concept and so i'm not inherently opposed to this it just depends on what direction they take with it because this is the kind of thing that uh has the potential to be empty edgelord edgelord bullshit sure um but if you actually got into it and you know, you don't want to go full Jekyll and Hyde with this, but, like, do something with the dueling sides of his nature and, and from things like that. I think aesthetics, de- like, you're talking about the edgelord bullshit, I think aesthetics definitely play into that. And if you really mm. dive into, maybe not so much the the way the comics present the character or the back the like the things around him but really just dive into uh this crazy satanic bullshit like with glee like that yeah. could be really fun um yeah. i think you can definitely try to make a son of satan show be fun and it would yeah. work um that would be i think it should be more fun and ghost rider should be fun like both of the like that's the the thing that all the comics that have or all the movies all the movies do and then the shows that have succeeded are fun like that's their first goal and they always pull it fun and then character and then plot like i don't yeah. agents of shield is always fun 
even when it's except when it kind of drags but even then it's fine um yeah. i don't know though i i think you could do that it's possible i'm glad yeah. i don't have to but you can yeah uh, and then the other thing is Savage Avengers, which I, I, I have not been a fan of the direction the Avengers have taken in the last decade or so in terms of kind of just throwing popular characters against the wall to see if they stick. And yeah. You know, New Avengers was kind of the point at which we we started with that, but um, New Avengers like two thousand five, eight, yeah, eight, like uh, yeah. like Luke Cage and post post uh, disassembled when they got the new team together and it was Brian Michael Bendis and yada yada yada. Sure, like putting Wolverine and Spider Man on there were like all right, whatever. But, um, as time passed and it just became, if a character's popular, we put them on the Avengers. <sighs> yeah. So now we have the Savage Avengers, which is like Wolverine, brother voodoo, venom, one or two other characters. I don't remember. Uh, and Conan, Conan, the barbarian, which, for God's sake. we talked about this when they announced the first, like, that they were bringing Conan back, and that we were all okay with Conan being owned and published by, or published by Marvel, as long as they kept him the fuck over there, right? Mm-hmm. So this is in clear violation of that accord that I had been keeping with Conan at Marvel, and therefore, yeah. I don't. As soon as you told me Conan, I was like, "Well, I'm fucking out." No, yeah, I no because Conan is fine. I'm not a giant fan, but there are people that really love that character, yeah, for reasons. And I think it's fine as long as he's doing his own thing, being Conan, and doesn't have to play by any of the six one six rules or any of the other Marvel hero like rules like his whole thing is murder a dude first then pillage then king i don't know i don't know his deal actually but murder a dude first which does not play well even alongside those characters even alongside the punisher that doesn't play well yeah i don't know i don't like it by crom uh no i don't know it's what it is. I don't know. But Endgame. All right. Uh, if you have not yet seen Endgame, feel free to skip to 34 minutes and 35 seconds. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, now that they're gone. Now that, um, yeah, now all the, peop- the folks are gone. Uh, I fucking loved it. I, you know, I... So... This is what this is one of those things that I uh, I there were multiple levels to it because on the one hand I'm looking at it as just a film on the other hand I'm looking at it as sort of the culmination of 10 years of stories on the third hand I'm looking at it just 
you know, as a fanboy, uh, on and on down the list. So there were a couple of things. First of all, this marks the second time. So Casey and I have have been together the entirety of the MCU, okay? Mm-hmm. We started dating in 2007. So our relationship predates it by just a year. Sure. Okay? Okay. Um, so she, I have dragged her to every single one of these <laughs> movies uh, with very few exceptions. And... Uh, <clears throat> When we went and saw Avengers and Thanos showed up at the end, like, I grabbed her leg and I'm just like, oh, fuck, you know. Yeah. Uh, this this marks the second time I have ever done that, and that is the point at which Thanos is wailing on Thor. You see Mjolnir, and it starts to lift up, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, are they doing it? Are they doing it? Yeah. Holy shit. And sure enough, Cap uh, uses Mjolnir. Uh the Avengers assemble. I'm not gonna lie; it got me. It was. I was still freaking out from the hammer that I missed. Like I just couldn't handle yet. Like I was still freaking out from the hammer that when he says assemble, I was like, "What happened?" Because the entire audience started like, we didn't have a very active audience, but like they knew there were folks in the audience that knew, and I was like, yeah. "Wait, what happened?" Oh shit! Uh, yeah. But, I'll, yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah. But there were there were a lot of nice little character moments, like the on your left, or what have you. Uh, one that I really liked was at Tony's funeral, when uh, Happy is talking to um, Morgan, mm-hmm. and... She's like, I'm hungry, and he's like, what do you want? And she's like, cheeseburgers, and he's like, your your dad like cheeseburgers too, uh, you know, stuff like that. If you're if it's been a while since you've watched it, the first thing uh, Tony asks for when he gets back to the U.S. in Iron Man is an American cheeseburger. Right. So, you know, there's all these there's all these moments. Uh, I was trying to figure out. So. At the funeral, they're panning across all of the people there, and there's the random kid. And I didn't know who the hell he was until I got home and Googled it, too. Right. Yeah, and it if you haven't figured out who he is, he's the kid from Iron Man 3 that helped Tony Yeah. in, uh, was it Tennessee? I don't know, whatever. Uh, yeah, somewhere. The kid who gets the cool new lab at the end of the movie. Uh, so yeah, I... Um, I had gripes. Uh, there were there were a couple of so a lot of the things that people are calling plot holes are dumb. Um, yeah, a lot of the like, times when you call a thing a plot hole, it's actually not a plot hole, and you're just being nitpicky. Not you, well, not so, you particularly. Yeah, but no, like. You know, there's a lot of people talking about like, oh, so Scarlet Witch can take Thanos now? Why didn't she do that before? And it's like, well, first of all, in Infinity War, Thanos had a nearly complete Infinity Gauntlet. (laughs) Second of all, she was splitting her attention between trying to destroy the Mind Stone and blasting Thanos. Here... She, it's her and Thanos, no Infinity Gauntlet, no divided attention, 
blah. Um, yeah. But the big, the big, so there were several things that I was just kind of like, Ugh. so number one, um, Thanos says he destroys the Infinity Stones. Uh, however, if we take the Ancient One at her word, that is impossible. Um, because she says, when, when Banner is talking to her, she says that the Infinity Stone does not have power over time. It is time. And that without that stone, time starts to break down and yada, yada, yada. So, even if we just assume that's the case for that one, it couldn't have been destroyed or else time would have broken when Thanos did that. But if we take it as rote that that's true for all of them, that the reality stone doesn't just control reality, but is in fact reality itself, then Thanos can... Thanos can not actually destroy the stones. He may have atomized them, but they could be reconstituted. Or, you know, all you'd all you'd really need at that point is Ant-Man to come along and like pick up atom-sized whatever. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. My big my big thing um, is I love time travel in movies and TV shows. And if you are going to introduce time travel, I'm on board. And I and I generally I generally try not to obsess about the details as long as if you introduce rules, stick with them. Okay? The problem is Cap showing up at the end breaks those rules. Cap sh- well no. Cap showing up at the end where literally positionally at the end breaks those rules. Well, I know. No no him showing hold, up hold, at all. No no, hold on. Hold on. So, he goes back to 1950s uh has an entire life with Peggy in a now different timeline. Peggy dies. He still has his GPS. Bang goes back to our timeline or our timeline, the main story timeline. So the only thing that's broken there is that he goes back to the wrong literal place. He should show up on the platform, but you can do that. He still has his GPS thing. That's the only one. And you know what? It's the only one that completely doesn't work. Like, it's the only one that's a little wibbly-wobbly, and I'm still fine. Like, I, whatever. I literally went, okay. Because it, it doesn't work totally, but I'm fine. You don't like it. I don't know. I I don't know. I uh I could do a whole thing, but uh <laughs> Yeah. Um overall, uh I thought with the exception of like the core six, the standout character was Nebula. Mm-hmm. Uh not now 
granted she had a lot of like plot things to do um but still it was really neat to see to give her some more some more meat to give Karen Gillian some more meat and have her run with it um and I like I liked it a lot I want to see it again the problem is now that we're we're a week past when I saw it as of today and I've been reading the internet and all the reactions and doing stuff and generally being like for the most part people like I'll read articles or blogs where people are like I don't know about this time travel here's a question about the time travel thing and I was like no you wait you didn't you didn't listen like they (laughs) straight up explained that pretty thoroughly in a scene that was like no it's not like this it's like this between Banner well like the what happens now that Loki grabbed the Tesseract and spun away doesn't that mean that the Battle of New York never happens and I was like no 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 (laughs) well first of all that's after the Battle of New York second of all it's a separate timeline now now that one's a separate timeline they still have their timeline because it's their future it's they literally explain this guys um and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. Let's let's do this cuz we can we can let's spend not. a whole lot of time <laughs> on the time travel. We can make that its own separate thing and if people want to listen great. If not, let's get on with it. Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't want to do it cuz I do. I love talking about this, god damn it. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh <laughs> the I will say as big a deal as they made of Carol, she was not in it a lot. Uh, but that makes sense from a production standpoint. It totally makes sense because they shot all of her scenes for Endgame before they had the, the script wasn't even finished for uh, Captain Marvel. So yeah. she, they didn't yeah. know who this character was. Um, I I understand that. I just it, you know she is. She is, Kevin Feige was making a big deal of her, uh, the trailers, she's all over them, you know, and I was, so going into it, I expected a lot more, a lot more Captain Marvel, and don't get me wrong, like, the moment where she shows up in the final battle was really cool, um, stuff like that, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I won't deny i teared up a couple of times i teared up most of the time i am a giant uh, baby i uh i teared up a little bit with avengers assemble because it was just kind of like one of those like it was almost it was like the whole uh not masturbating for 10 years and then just painting the garage <laughs> like it was just kind of it was kind of like they've been fucking me around for this long and then it finally happens uh but also like uh when tony dies and uh and pepper's just like we're gonna be okay you can rest now yeah uh and then like the the when when they're watching the recording he left Mm-hmm. and things like that and you know that that got me as a dad because i'm just sitting there going like oh my god i can't i can't even yeah. uh yeah. you know um so 
I enjoyed a lot of things. I mean, even when the one thing I will say that's not it's not a plot hole, but it's definitely a dick move. Even though I guess nobody knew technically, but like sending <laughs> sending Black Widow and Hawkeye to Vormir to get the Soul Stone. And, like, Nebula didn't say, remember, Thanos went to Vormir with Gamora, and Gamora didn't come back, and he had the Soul Stone. Remember that? And nobody was like, oh, oh. Like, because they just walked into it seemingly completely unprepared for that, and I was like, really? Nobody said something? Damn. Ugh. And then they basically them fighting each other to see who could die like is rad from a character standpoint like sometimes that looks stupid but that actually made sense for those two specific characters because i i liked so i liked first of all it was a nice wrap up to black widow's story Mm -hmm. um because she you know the red in her ledger is now obliterated. Oh, like, yeah. I don't care. I don't care what you did. Um, sacrificing yourself to bring back half of all life in the universe, that that wipes out anything else you've ever done. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that, you know, Casey and I were talking about it from a standpoint of Hawkeye. So, you know, she's like, why would he be willing to sacrifice himself if he's going to be bringing his family back but the thing about it is you know the past five years since the snap uh he's been doing a lot of really ugly things and you know being willing to do whatever it takes to bring your family back yes but you know the question the question of course becomes does he deserve them anymore yeah that's the um, way that i read the whole exchange was yeah to her it was this is literally my thing like this is all i've been working toward for the last 5 years i've been keeping this shit together just to do this like it makes when she paints it that way it makes complete and total sense for, yeah. for her and from his side it makes complete and total sense because he's so racked with grief that he's managed to destroy the man that he thought he was and right. desperately wants to either make up for that and also I don't think there's a certain part of him that is so broken's not the right word but messed up right now that he does not believe that he's worthy of his family anymore. And that if they were to return, that's, he's not the man who was playing catch or showing his daughter how to shoot arrows anymore. Like that person is dead and he doesn't know if he can handle that. And that's also like the one time in the whole fucking movie. Okay. Minor snippy thing. Uh, Half of the life on Earth being destroyed, being removed from the equation immediately would precipitate complete and total societal collapse. Well, yeah. Way more than what is shown on screen. 
Yeah. Uh, half of the world's population, or the population of the Earth doubling instantaneously after that societal collapse would also precipitate another collapse. Well, it my, would be my a favorite. shit show wall-to-wall. And that's just sort of like, no, we're going to be cool. Like, Spider-Man comes out in two months and everyone's apparently like, tourism's fine. Like, we just cleaned it all up and everything's back to normal. <laughs> my my favorite thing was somebody bringing up, like, okay, so in the comics, the snap is fixed in relatively short order. Right. So no big deal. In the movie, it's five years. Right. Um. So, like, let's say you're just a dude who, at the moment that Thanos snaps... You're in your sh- you're in your apartment naked having just taken a shower. You get snapped, dusted, whatever. 5 years <laughs> passes, your apartment has a new tenant. They're like minding their own business and suddenly, boop, here you are naked in their home. Now, that's a that's a relatively easy fix because in short order everybody's going to know what's happened. But in the meantime, maybe you get stabbed. <laughs> like, you know. Um, and, and I was And also, was like, about... okay, so maybe we get past the stabbing, right? Whose apartment is it now? Right. Like, there's a well, whole... Ob- there's a whole... It's obviously the current tenants. Like, regardless. I, like, you fighters know, keepers? If you're, if you're abducted, if you're abducted, you don't get to come back home and be like, this is my house now. <laughs> like, uh, you have to find somewhere else to live. So, but, like, the other thing is, like, what about, like, you know, if you were, when Thanos snapped, if you were riding in a car going down the highway at 60, okay? Now, you retain inertia? Like, well, I mean, here's the thing. They so supposedly when when Hulk snaps, he like everybody is returned to the place they were at when they got dusted, which is fine. But like, how is that determined? If you were on a plane when the snap occurred, do you just materialize in the air or are you like on that plane with like a bunch, like that plane is now in service somewhere else, and it's like you were going L.A. to New York, and now it's going New York to fucking Spokane, and you just appear on the plane, or do you just get dropped from the sky? Like I think my fun, you know, my my fav my f- is uh like a like the mega bus. You're in a bus. Half the yeah. people on the bus get snapped. When the unsnap happening happens, you're suddenly five foot in the air going 60 miles an hour down the yeah. highway with a, with 12 or 20 other confused individuals and you become <laughs> paced. Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's the same kind of thing. Now, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other there's a lot like, of other factors to take into consideration here, like the rotation of the Earth and the movement of the earth through space, like, okay, all of those. So here's a question. Like, I get that Gamora and Black Widow are gone. They cannot be wished back. All Hulk does is undo the snap, which means Heimdall's still dead. Loki's still dead. Yeah. Xandar has still been trashed. Clearly. Uh, you know, like he could have, he could have undone all of that, but well, nope. 
Yeah. Some of that is definitely... Like, considering that my suspension of disbelief begins there, like, I'm willing to walk away on a lot of stuff. And just be yeah. like, yeah, no, comics. It's it's a fucking movie. Calm down, Max. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Cool. <laughs> Throw the hammer again! I just, I just want to say... The problem with the GPS... Okay. As far as Steve having the GPS still, and that's how he's there at the end of the movie. Okay. We have not seen any indication that it's capable of doing that. Time works anyway. with different. Do what? Well, okay. Yeah, anyway. I mean, as it stands, all we've seen is that it can pinpoint the place you're going in time. We have not seen anything to indicate that it can move across timelines. That's all. Well, that's what he does while he's putting the things back. Putting the stones back. No, he doesn't. He's returning to the moment that they were taken. But that would returning be them. a new timeline if he took the stone out of that timeline. For no. four seconds or whatever, it would be a new timeline. <laughs> Something's different than the other. Than no, the current no, timeline. no, 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 no. Here's the thing. So, you have the timeline. Yes. Going along. Uh-huh. The stone gets taken. Uh-huh. A new timeline is created in which there is not the stone. Yes. If he comes back and puts the stone back right here, it's still the main timeline. And I'm saying there's a bubble. There's a bubble? There's a bubble on the timeline. So, like, new timeline, but, like, when you put... There's the timeline where you take the stone out... Then you put the stone back in, and then it corrects. There's a bubble. There's a pimple on the side of the timeline. That's not how it works, though. <laughs> um, well, yeah, you're right. So you can either have a new timeline or the same timeline. Fuck right. it. Uh, okay, anyway. It's uh, 40... You're now safe if you're rejoining us. Yeah, 37-7. Uh, yeah, well, it'll it'll be different with the music oh. and the editing and stuff like that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna edit it. Then I will come back and add in the whatever. Sounds uh, good. So comics. Uh, sure. We start this week with Man Thing number twenty, which is written by Steve Gerber, penciled by Jim Mooney, inked by Jim Mooney, colored by Petra Goldberg, and lettered by June Braverman. Uh, we have we have. Several things kind of happening here. So the scavenger is all jizzy because Man-Thing burned his face. And he's like, does that mean it's over? He goes to kiss somebody and he's like, no, I'm still what I was. Uh, so he takes off. Um, the motel owner is like, you all need to get the fuck out. Uh and so Richard, Carol, and Man-Thing are driving along trying to find some place to sleep when they get into an accident with this courier. Uh, the courier, there's a whole thing about Thog. Yeah, and, people keep saying Thog. Yeah. Um, and the courier has a box. 
and he really needs to get the box to Thog, and you'll be rewarded if you get the box to Thog. Uh, here, Richard, take this box. Then the car explodes. Uh, the cops show up. Or what's her what's her face? Caroline. What's her name? Carol. Carol. Carol's hurt. Um, she thinks she's got a broken leg. You can't kill man thing. Uh, the cops show up and. They hightail it out, right? Well, Richard gives the box to Man-Thing, and Richard and Carol wait for the police. Richard's just like, fuck, I'm screwed. Okay, whatever. Yeah, he just Um, decides to be arrested, I think. Yeah. So then we have this painter named Paul Jennings who's doing a painting of the Man-Thing, and he's obsessed with the editor of this newspaper named Danielle Nicole, whose eyes seem to change color. Uh, And yeah, so then he takes the painting to her. She's like, this is fucking great, blah, blah, blah. Can you please leave? I have a headache. He walks out. She starts, she takes out a box exactly like the one that Man-Thing now has, sets it down and like starts staring at it. Uh, Paul is like, wait, I uh, I need to make sure she's okay. So he goes back in and sees this and she's just like, what the fuck is your problem? Get out. He leaves and then like a water main explodes underneath him. So fuck you, Paul. Um, well, apparently he lives. I didn't die. He survives. Obviously. He's yeah. like, uh, I got the message and I'm like, maybe you just got unlucky. The two don't seem to be related. It doesn't pan out that they're related. There's no point at which there. it's just like, yeah, that's why it happened. It was just like, shitty luck, Paul. Uh, and so there were these demons following Man-Thing through Atlanta trying to get the Nightmare Box. And if you look at the cover of this, it's like, oh, Man-Thing fights Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, yada, yada, yada. Nope, it's demons taking their form. What the fuck ever. Um... He thrashes them, but in the confu and chases them out of the alley that he's in, loses a hold of the box, uh, and li- all hell breaks loose as these demons run away from him because the city of Atlanta has to deal with the existential uh, repercussions of demons being real. Also, the existential repercussions of living in Atlanta. I don't know a thing um, about Atlanta. I hear it's hot. That's literally all I hear. I I hated it, but that okay. you know that's me. Um, so yeah. So Man Thing number twenty one, which is colored by Janice Rosen or Janice Cohen and lettered by Joe Rosen. Uh, demons are going nuts. Police are out there trying to maintain order. They think that. Uh, they think that Man-Thing is somehow involved with the demons, which is a reasonable thing to think. Uh, but Man-Thing winds up, he like grabs hold of a police helicopter. So there's this couple called the Dulls, D-U-H-L. The husband is an accountant who sucks, and his wife is like really unhappy in the relationship 
Uh, it turns out that so Robert Robert understands numbers in a way very few other people do, but he sucks at talking to people, so he can't teach. He can't like do anything with that. So he becomes an accountant, and he winds up becoming the accountant of Thog. <laughs> um, and his even wife, the ledger that he's working on when he when we are introduced to him just says ruling the world. And then, like, yeah. some numbers on it. Like, there literally is a plan for this, and it involves finance. Okay. Uh, well, was there ever any doubt there? Um, no. But. Now I'm sad. <laughs> uh, she gets sick of it, and she's like, I need some excitement. So she leaves and is immediately grabbed by Scavenger, who... Uh, takes her back to his place tells her his whole deal which it turns out he's like unable to feel anything uh pain or anything else which scavenger is just the grossest yeah like all of his like there's a way to phrase what he's saying that doesn't come off so gross like it's real rapey the whole time that he's talking yeah. it's just i mean i know that that's kind of like that's intentional and i get it but ugh, you could you could back it off a bit and i'd be okay man thanks yeah uh but so he kisses her and drains her and then he's just left laying there with her skeleton uh so that's fun uh, but we switch back to Man-Thing. He's like walking around the streets of Atlanta uh, when suddenly the cocoons holding Clonus and Mortak. Remember them from a few issues back? Me neither. Uh, I did and went, oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> um, they f- come falling out of the sky in their mystical ca- cocoons and they start fighting with Man-Thing. And... So this is this is really weird. Uh, I didn't like it. He gets like one of them blasts man thing through the head, right? Which causes him to like, which causes Ted Salas to kind of come back to the fore a little bit. Um, and he's like, you know, oh god, like what am I? What's happening? who where who are you like why am i feeling all of these things and then like they they he's now easy pickings for them they take him down at which point thog appears and he's just like ha 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 i'm thog uh just and he straight up it's the nether like we get a flashback like i think it's actually next issue but if you've been reading Man-Thing the whole time, which, wow. If you've been reading Man-Thing the whole time and you're not us, I don't know, man. You're weird. Yeah. Uh, but if you've been reading Man-Thing the whole time, you go, holy shit, is that the nether spawn from issue one? And, or actually, it's back in fear. And, yeah, it uh, was like fear number 11 or something. Something. I and it's the first appearance of Man-Thing is where this guy comes from. Well, Yeah, so... Ooh. Uh, the, there is a little uptick 
in the final issue here. Uh, Man Thing number 22, which is colored by Don Warfield and lettered by Irving Watanabe. Uh, this whole this whole issue is presented as a letter from Steve Gerber to uh, Len. Is it Len? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, and it's the the basic premise of all of this is back before he started doing Man Thing, he was visited by Dakim, uh, who told him about. Man Thing and all of these various things that Man Thing got up to. Uh, he explains Thog, he explains all of this. Um, and it turns out that when, when Man Thing first encountered the Nether Spawn, the Nether Spawn was imprisoned on this faraway planet. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he was held in place because the sun never went down. When Dakim was killed, there was a momentary eclipse, which gave Thog enough time to escape. Um, and his plan is that he is going to... The whole deal is, so these nightmare boxes go to Nicole, to Danielle Nicole, she fills them up, they're then taken, and they become the bricks of a tower, which she will then use the emotional energies collected to take over everything. Um, Gerber explains that the, the nightmare box that was dropped by Man-Thing, picked up in Atlanta was then delivered to his house by some guy. Uh, and then he's attacked by demons and the demons grab the box and he gets sucked into it. Uh, and he finds himself with man thing. They work together to topple the tower, which, uh, yeah, <laughs> this whole thing is so weird. Uh, Man-Thing battles Thog one more time. Thog gives in to fear and then, of course, burns. Um, at which point, Dakim is just like, okay, now everything goes back to the way it was. And Steve Gerber is returned to his apartment and he's just like, okay, I'm fucking done. And so this, this of course, winds up being the final issue of Man-Thing for the moment. It's a it's kind of a weird wrap up, but I I enjoy the premise of it uh, more so than I've enjoyed the story up to now. I thought it was okay. I don't really like the framing device. It's the best execution of putting the creator in the book that I've seen in a yeah. while. Um, possibly ever because a lot of the times unless you're kurt vonnegut and you do this i generally get real mad because i'm like yeah. get the fuck out of here you're not here um yeah. this is the this is one step away from kurt well okay it's still a couple step away from steps away from kurt but it's it's a good version of this uh in mm -hmm. comics which is rare and i'm i'm willing to sit with it because the rest of the story outside of the framing device was cool yeah um i don't know i liked the way that 
calling back to the uh, the Nether spawn at the very beginning. Jessica's still there. Um, Jessica, Jennifer, Hale uh, is still there. There's a cool section when uh, Steve is actually sucked into one of the nightmare boxes and he basically replays the entirety of the Man-Thing history. Like, everything that's in there, there's just a bunch of emotion during that battle. Um, I like that. I don't know. It's, uh... It's pretty good. Sorry. Um, and... But overall, it's... It's a pretty decent way to end. It's a pretty decent way to end Man Thing, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So anyway, um. Marvel. I think we can probably cram Marvel yeah. two in one here. Uh, yeah. Marvel two in one number ten, which is. Uh, Written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Bob Brown, inked by Klaus Janssen, colored by Klaus Janssen, and lettered by John Costanza. Pardon me, I am really not feeling well. <laughs> so we have this: we have the Black Widow in this chase, being uh, attacked by some random dudes. It turns out they're with the sort of judgment, but we don't know that at this time. They are plowing through Central Park and wind up having a run-in with the thing. Uh, thing shoves Alicia out of the way, gets hit. The members of the sort of judgment collect Black Widow and then are like, well, might as well bring Thing. Take him back to their base. It turns out that the sort of judgment is being led by this guy called Agamemnon, who is actually an old friend slash boyfriend. Co-worker, accomplice. Something of Black Widows. And uh, so basically the sort of judgment is the, is made up of people who are sick of being held down. Uh, so the plan is they're going to jet detonate a giant nuclear bomb deep in the ocean, which will then set off a radioactive tidal wave to wipe out the, uh, the entirety the, of the Eastern seaboard plus huge chunks of Europe and Africa. Um, so the two of the, the two of them are then tossed into a cell. Ben keeps trying to break out and can't at which point black widow starts undressing and he's like, Whoa, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, wow, (laughs) the seventies were apparently the wild west. Uh, but, uh, she brings down her cat suit a little bit and, peels off this thing it turns out she's got these um little bits and bobs that have been uh shrink wrapped to her back that won't show up and uh she uses them to create this blaster they use it to escape and they proceed it's pretty cool black widow proceeds to wreck shop on these dudes 
Yeah, because uh, the whole and the the thing that's cool about this is the I actually ended up enjoying this way more than I thought I would. Um, so the bomb is on like a winch and wheel, and mm-hmm. they've already begun lowering it when they get out, and then the housing breaks. So the bomb is just falling. And as soon as it, it's already, it's got a timer, like a pressure-sensitive timer in it that once it hits seven miles down or whatever, seven kilometers, whatever it was, um, it's going to explode. Ben grabs the cable and starts hauling it up, but it's slow work, and there's like a hundred dudes shooting at him as he yeah. does this. And he's like, uh, with a, a little help, and she's like, got you. And he just starts pulling it up, but that means that Ben is ostensibly indisposed throughout the entirety of this fight he mm-hmm. cannot just punch people and they're all shooting at him from uh, from distance widow disappears into the shadows and just basically does captain america winter soldier on this entire fucking base yeah and her, it's, it's it's literally she pops in kind of like what adam warlock did in uh when they were escaping from that one ship yeah um it just pops in and out of shadows, taking out dudes left and right. It is fucking it's, rad. Yeah, if if you are, this is one of this is one of those issues that you'd hold up and say, if you are at all unsure why Black Widow deserves to be an Avenger, this is it, bro. Yeah, uh, this is this is it. Um, so at one point, Agamemnon starts taking pot shots at thing and things starts to drop the bomb and he's uh, but almost he got it, it on the deck yeah yeah he he regains it and black widow uh takes on agamemnon he gets defeated and the bomb deactivated and then black widow puts into a, a call to shield at which point they just hang out and have a cigar and a shot a cocktail or a drink a cocktail Drink of champagne. Sorry. She's classy. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I love her so much in this book that when, I mean, we're going to get to it, but when she basically tells Daredevil bye in the next issue, I'm like, yeah, girl, go. You yeah. Clearly this don't. Is, this is a Bond flick. I mean, yeah, that's, no, what, that's basically what this is. 100%. It's love. And like, it's like, but like, she's Bond in this. Yeah. Except better. Because yeah. she does all the swinging around and kicking people in the face, it's wonderful. She takes out the base of the of the big colorful villain. They have their final showdown, and then it's champagne, fucking, and cigars. Like yeah. it's it's great. Yeah. Uh, I I wish we yeah. would have spent more time on this issue than Man Thing. There's not a lot to it, but it's frenetic and it's fun, and uh, the the beginning's a little slow. Uh, but it's overall once it gets going it's It's, wonderful yeah so yeah um so let's go ahead and take a break and we will uh pick up in a few with some daredevil yeah Yeah, you can't can't, we're, we're outside spoiler zone yeah uh all right, we're back. Uh, and we start 
now with Daredevil number 124, which was written by Len Wein and Marv Wolfman, penciled by Gene Colan, inked by Klaus Jansen, colored by Michelle Wolfman, and lettered by Joe Rosen. Uh, we start with Natasha just being like, you know what, I had an awesome James Bond-style adventure, and I really gotta leave. And Daredevil's like, but what about me? And she's like, but what about you? And, uh, and actually... So it's later, but he does actually go, man, I I kind of responded completely wrong to that situation. My first go-to was, what about me? And yeah. I never really asked her. I could probably spend some time with that and maybe grow as a person. Nope! Wait. Time to deal with Copperhead. <laughs> yeah, no, like, he, it's just so fucking frustrating. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some I know, like I know that I've read uh, the Mil- the Frank Miller run uh, for better or worse, and uh, it's I cannot wait for people to start dying around him because he's an asshole. Like because that's the only thing that <coughs> gets through his head. Uh, anyway, well, yeah. Uh, uh, so she says I'm gone he's like but me and she's like yeah bye uh good for her like I said earlier I hope she has some rad goddamn adventures now I'm a little miffed that we're not actually going to see them unless they're in team up books uh but I would be given that that two in one if you wanted to turn that into a regular like a, a monthly I would read the shit out of that yeah so we flip to a more rundown portion of Manhattan. Where is this? Uh, I don't think it specifically says. Yeah, it's but... not a it's not a nice area of town. A guy or a woman is coming back from the grocery store. She gets her purse snatched by some teenager. Uh, this man in a cloak with a copper face. Uh, steps out of the alleyway and is like, you're a criminal! And he straight up kills him. Uh, kills the the pickpocket. Then there's a cop who also gets a sleeping glass, or a sleeping dart uh, because they were going to interfere in his justice crusade. Uh, he leaves pennies on the uh, pickpocket's purse snatcher's eyes and even the woman who he purse snatched from is like holy shit you didn't have to murder him jesus and he's like i am a one-man weapon of crime weapon against crime and And copperhead has this annoying i get if you're doing a comic book and you want to imply that someone has a lisp or is speaking in a way that is snake-like, but it, when you're reading it, it's really fucking annoying. <coughs> I have to and, remove. I like. I understand the affectation you're going for, but having it on the page, it just makes me go. You know what? Nope. And I just start skipping it. Um, anytime a, wor- a word bubble comes out of his mouth, I'm just missing all the extra yeah, S's because, because it's annoying as hell and I'm not doing it. Thank you. Because all I'm thinking is this is fucking bullshit. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, I don't like it. We skip to uh, Foggy and Matt and Matt or Foggy's 
got a brain in the basement, not an actual a nerd. He's got a guy, he's got a science guy in the basement, computer engineer, who's putting together some sort of fucking uh, Patriot Act level bullshit. And yeah. which is a, a pre, it's essentially a pre-crime database. Yeah, it's the, the whole idea is you can, you can put in uh, the details of a perpetrator or a crime and it will cross-reference with everywhere else to determine, like, if that crime fits the M.O. of another person. Uh, Which, like, I don't know why we need a computer for this when you can just, like, think about it for 45 <laughs> seconds and be like, uh, there's, wait wait a minute, it's a jewel heist and there's a bunch of glue everywhere, so it's it's Pastebot Pete. He's called the Trapster now. Bob. Okay, whatever. Who cares? Where is he? Go bring I, him in. I think this is an. I think this is interesting, and I. I'm with it in concept. Uh, you know, getting getting someone to take the time to input all of this shit would be mind-numbingly. Oh boring, yeah, but... the data entry would be absolutely uh, yeah but uh the worst and all of is this... also running against this guy blake tower for re-election <laughs> which blake and... tower was in the uh show i just re- i realized he's in season two and three i think oh okay he's the current da before foggy uh he's the da at the time before okay. foggy takes over um, um anyway but yeah there's something fishy about blake tower uh and foggy's clearly concerned that he's going to lose the election which is why he's building this computer in the first place is because he thinks that he can sell himself to the public as clearly ac- aggressive on crime yeah Blah. um and so Matt, uh, so Matt heads to a bookshop and finds an old magazine of the character Copperhead, uh, having, I guess, heard about Copperhead previously, um, whatever. So he finds the, the pulp character and he's like, oh, this is clearly very similar. Uh, he goes to find the guy who wrote the novels and his, the guy's landlady tells him that he was murdered. Um, he then goes on patrol because he's kind of out of leads. Uh, happens across some muggers trying to uh, fuck up a couple of drug dealers and uh, as he's fighting them the Copperhead shows up and executes several of them. Um, Daredevil and Copperhead uh, square off, but then when Daredevil tries to attack, you know, his hand is nearly broken a couple of times because it turns out that the guy is actually wearing, like, full-blown armor. Uh, He's knocked down and... Uh, Copperhead gets ready to shoot him. 
Which brings us to Daredevil number 25, which is written by Marv Wolfman, colored by Klaus Janssen, and lettered by John Costanza. Copperhead fires, and uh, we are, he then is just like, okay, puts the coins down and leaves. Uh, Daredevil, it turns out, has actually used his billy club to block the darts. Um, And uh, so he heads out to do his thing. Uh, Matt meets with Foggy, um, and they are, they are uh, interrupted when there's an ad seemingly put out by Foggy's own campaign, which makes him look bad. And he's just like, ah, even my own campaign manager and blah. Um, so then, um, so Copperhead, it turns out, uh, then targets the guy who owns the rights to Copperhead, uh, and murders him daredevil arrives and tries to investigate the cops send him off but he ignores them and then comes right back uh and then once he does he uses his radar sense and discovers a safe inside there is a journal about how copperhead went about being created um in the course of things, uh, Daredevil then heads to the publisher who is currently reprinting the Copperhead pulp serials, um, where he is overpowered by Copperhead, but he manages to save the guy. Um, at which point, uh, Copper, or, excuse me, Daredevil heads to the grave. Of this guy Chesney who uh, was tangentially connected to all of this and it's there that he discovers Copperhead um, it turns out that Copperhead the current Copperhead is the son of Chesney who was the actor that posed for the cover pictures um, the Chesney apparently got uh, good and bitter because he was seeing none of the money from these popular serials, even though he's he was of the opinion that there would be no Copperhead without him. Uh, which, sure, dude, okay. That's uh, crazy egotistical, but all right. Yeah, I. Like, they'll shows... just. You're a body. Like that's it. It's it's one thing. Like if you're an actor who's playing a role. Sure. All right, you know. Yeah. But like, if you're the model brought in to to uh, wear the clothes so that they can draw it, that's different. Yeah. No, you don't. You had no part. You are literally just a a mannequin. Like that's yeah. all you are. I'm sorry. Like you you had no role in the creative process there. Ergo, you do not get royalties. Like that's just whatever. You so got paid it's to, yeah. He gets Chesney struck by lightning. Died. It's his son, Chesney, Lawrence Chesney. Uh, he strips off the coat and everything, and he's just wearing the armor when he's struck by lightning like a dipshit. And uh, Daredevil puts a couple pennies on his eyes, and that's the end of it. It's I don't like this story because 
it's there's i just don't like there's nothing daredevil doesn't do much except get his ass kicked which blows um and then the ending daredevil doesn't beat him he just gets struck by lightning yeah like he doesn't do that and all of it's way too convoluted to get us to getting struck by lightning with which is a shitty payoff so i don't yet again daredevil i i will say (coughs) i do not hate this as much as some other daredevil uh i'm by no means a fan of it but it's it's less painful than some other daredevil stories so it's easier to read but yeah it goes down easier anyway yeah uh so then we get uh marvel preview number two uh and we're really just going to be focusing on the the punisher story here uh which was written by jerry conway and penciled and inked by tony zuniga um this is this is interesting because it is our first time really getting a the backstory on the Punisher. Uh, prior to now, he's shown up and it's just been he shoots guys, no big deal. Uh, but now, so the overarching plot of this is, <clears throat> uh, Punisher stops the assassination of a politician in doing so he discovers that the shooter is a guy he knew in the army uh the guy is then killed by other people in a helicopter uh punisher investigates goes to chicago and every time he has a run-in with one of these dudes they inevitably wind up dead uh not necessarily because of him but just in general uh so he heads he goes to chicago meets up with a buddy of his and while he's trying to uh he tells the guy what he needs uh but then there winds up being a sniper who takes a shot at frank but misses him and hits his friend frank goes after the guy he dies uh frank pays a visit to the family of the first guy he had a run-in with whose name was uh uh, Mike, Mike McCauley. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Mike Hawley. Mike Hawley, yeah. <coughs> he pays a visit to Mike's home and uh, tries to talk to his wife. She's initially not having it, but then the home gets attacked. He saves her and the children and... Uh, she tells him uh you know the names of various people that mike had had contact with one of whom is a guy named christensen christensen it turns out is this rich dude and uh when punisher goes to investigate the guy is building his own personal army punisher uh punisher attacks and winds up taking out all of them you know blowing up their generator and the entire place goes up um 
the the as I said, the upshot of all of this is in the course of things, there are these two police officers that are following Frank and talk about Frank's history. And this is the first time we get the story of his family being shot in the park because they happened across some gangsters, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it's a good story. Uh, it's not, you know, it's a fairly bog standard uh, Punisher kind of thing. I mean, you you find in like a, an issue of Punisher Warzone. Uh, this, the thing that actually makes it work, though, is the the way that the backstory is told. Mm-hmm. This is one of the few times that I've read Punisher's <coughs> inciting incident and been like, okay, I actually, I feel for this guy before mm-hmm. it happens, knowing what's coming, and then after it happens, I'm like... Yeah, you're kind of broken, dude. Um, and he even muses on that while he's remembering his past. Uh, it's interesting. I wouldn't have expected the care that that kind of story is told with in this magazine in one of the magazines. Normally yeah. the magazine stories are just like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, let's go. Right? Like, that's the yeah. way Man-Thing's first appearance in... Was that preview as well? I forget. (laughs) But like that story is just, here's some shit, here's some more shit, really scantily clad women, let's get you, yeah, let's shoot you full of holes and drop you in the bog. Like that's, that one's real fast, let's go. Uh, Mm -hmm. Get out of there, burn some dudes. Uh, This, actually taking the time and kind of letting that breathe a little like the way that he lo- loses his family and like what that's done to him is I-, I didn't expect it in one of the magazines right. so it was cool yeah uh the other the other story in this and it features the first appearance of dominic fortune but meh. i didn't read it i did yeah who cares <laughs> um giant size supervillain team up number two uh, written by Roy Thomas, penciled by Mike Sikowski, inked by Sam Granger, colored by Phil Rachelson, and lettered by John Costanza. We have a fairly standard Namor situation wherein there's a <laughs> ship. He shows up and he's just like, fuck you, get off my ocean. You have five minutes to abandon ship. And the people are just like, all right. <laughs> and uh, I love that there's this old salt, there's this younger guy younger sailor and this just old salt dude who's like been on a hundred of these trips or a thousand and the kid's like aren't we gonna try to like stop him and the salt's like no we're getting in the fucking boat man we don't mess with namor no i've seen him namor kid (laughs) yeah i've seen this dude twice in my life i am super stoked that i've seen him a third time and it looks like i'm gonna live so yeah. no we're getting on the boat and even the cap and he's like okay and the captain calls down from like the bridge ba- or uh the gangway in front of the bridge and is like where the hell are you guys going and he's like again namor fuck this yeah. no get in the boat and so they all get into the life rafts uh and yeah namor's like okay cool thanks and then he proceeds to drill holes 
into this the and uh, this is supposed to be an absolutely enormous uh, oil tanker um proceeds to drill holes down the side of the hull then goes down like the titanic and he goes home to have a sulk because yep. also because also namor uh we haven't been reading namor in namor's other book but apparently in that uh all of the people of atlantis have been rendered comatose by a uh, a nerve agent nerve agent that was released into the water because namor fucked up and And also uh, a namor a, a namor standard like i don't need to read submariner i know all of it is mostly his fault um so he's having a sulk when and ostensibly protecting the entire population of atlantis i guess is in these tubes in the palace uh some weirdos show up in underwater jets and start firing missiles into the city or torpedoes he goes out fucks up their shit finally grabs one of them and is like who the hell are you where who do you work for um it's a it's a robot with a screen in the face mask and it's doom on the screen and doom says uh hey come to the surface i just wanted to talk it's like you asshole there are other ways to get a hold of him of a dude than blowing up his neighborhood um but none of them are as colorful um true so Namor goes up top and he's like convinced, enraged, and is going to basically snap Doom's neck when Doom's like, no, hey, I was thinking about it, you're right, we should partner up. And Namor's like, you just told me no about this plan. Fuck you. I wanted to do this. When it was my idea, you didn't like it, but now that it's your idea, then Doom's like, yes, exactly that. Uh, essentially. Pretty so, much. They decide to team up, or no, Doom is selling him on teaming up now. They go, they head back toward, uh, Liveria, where he's like, look, I'm actually a good ruler. See? All the people that I have working for me are all androids. No, all my people, people, are happy farmers they couldn't care less and namor's like um sure also your androids are weird like they also, have a weird altar set up yeah and yeah doom, and doom just, is just like eh, whatever they have I'm, religion and and at no <laughs> point is doom ever just like this is really fucked up. Like this is no. not supposed to happen. Doom's like he just is like I don't know. It was a it's a quirk of the programming. They're uh, they've got religion now. I can't really figure out where it's happening, so I'm just gonna let it go. They seem happy. I, I'm fine. Yeah. He's like uh, even Namor's like I don't know much about computers because I'm an undersea king, but this still seems like it shouldn't. Doom's like it's fine. Uh, turns out it's not fine, um, because Andro, the lord of androids, is summoned by the praying androids. Yeah, it turns out to be the first doomsman yeah. that Doom built, uh, and was then, like, 
exiled to some random who gives a shit. Uh, but he now he now comes back and uh, I guess in the course of things he 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 saw a thing and Lockjaw uh, teleporting through and grabbed a ride home with them and so he's now back and looking for trouble uh <coughs> excuse me there's a weird there's a weird thing that happens here in that doom and andro fight and it it winds up being kind of a draw uh and so andro's just like all right peace and uh namor's just like I don't know. I guess he just wanted you to know uh, that uh, there was someone out there that was your match, which is kind of a weird, it's like kind of a weird uh, motive to ascribe, but okay. So Doom's like, okay, we'll scrap those androids and replace them with my previous androids and everything will be fine. And then there's this last shot of one of the original androids just being like, that fucking guy and it's not fine ah this but. is a weird story um <laughs> at least the giant size i will say i actually enjoy the next four books like they're fun for the most part yeah. uh this is yeah fucking bleh. all right so uh so then we pick up with super villain team up number one uh, which was written by Tony Isabella, penciled by George Tuska, Bill Everett, and George Evans, inked by Fred Keita and Frank Springer, colored by Irene Vartanoff, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino, Irving Watanabe, and Karen Mantlow. We pick up at the end of Giant Size Supervillain Team-Up number two, uh, with Namor just being like, you know what, fuck you, I don't want to join up with you. And Doom's like, What? And Namor's like, bring it. And uh, <clears throat> so Namor takes off. Doom Doom ponders things. And we actually maybe have a moment of growth <laughs> with Doom. Wherein he's just like, you know, he's right. If I'm going, you know, I've been, I've been kind of, and kind of handed my ass uh, the last, you know, 20 years. Uh, I should probably stop looking for a pawn and actually, you know, start treating people as equals. And, uh, so he's like, well, then what I'm going to do at some point, Namor will be in a situation, uh, that is <clears throat> outside of what he is able to handle. And uh, Doom will be there to help him out as a friend. And he doesn't have to wait long because <laughs> Namor heads back to Hydro Base. And it turns out that the thing's been taken over by Atuma, Dorcas, and uh, Tiger Shark. And I guess and, uh, Atuma, or no, Tiger Shark's been upgraded by a two by dorka yeah at some point and also there's this jennings person who young doc jennings i don't know 
who is like a fish man, uh, and I gather he hasn't always been a fish man. Well, yeah, because on Hydro Base there are, I guess, people who were altered to be like uh, kind of creature from the Black Lagoony, uh, and one of those is. Um, Namor's old girlfriend from the Golden Age, uh, Betty. But, whatever. So, <laughs> uh, the upshot of all of this is all of these, um, <coughs> excuse me, all of these villains prove to be too much for Namor, and he gets, uh, taken down. Okay. Uh, the one thing I will say is they keep uh, they keep referring to Tiger Shark by his first name. Uh, yeah, which when you call t- Tiger Shark already a character I have issues with being cool because he's really not. And then you call him Todd and I'm just like, yeah, no, you suck, dude. Yeah, it really undercuts what you're going for when mm-hmm. your villain's name is Todd. Um, but so, yeah. So, supervillain team-up number two is penciled by Sal Bashima, uh, inked by Fred Keita, and uh, colored by Petra Goldberg and lettered by Charlotte Jetter. Um, they are... So, when Namor left Latveria, Doom sent a robot fish <laughs> to follow him. Uh, and so Doom's been watching this entire thing play out. Uh, they, um, they have Namor locked up in a room, uh, and chained up and he's being, his strength is being sapped because he's like away from the water and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Um, so, uh, Doom heads there. Uh, has a run-in with a couple of Octomechs and is approached by Betty. Well, Betty's like watching and then she turns around and Doom is behind her. Uh, but Betty uh, leads him into the into the facility. Begrudgingly, um, too. I actually like her. Yeah. Like, this is the first time I've ever met her, but I like her because she's like, I don't know, dude, you're Doom? And she's like, no, Doom comes as friend this time. He is going to be my equal. I have just, Doom has decreed it. And I'm like, and she's still like, yeah, but you're Doom. So I'm gonna do this because he's boned. And if he's boned, we're all boned. And I probably boned if I, if you decide to turn on us. But anyway, I guess we're going. I like her. Uh... And so they they head in um, and attack the three gathered villains. Uh, in the course of things, Namor breaks free, and he's about to be shot by uh, by Dorcas when Betty jumps in the way. She's killed, and uh, he is left cradling her body, and. Uh, it is not looking good for these dudes because when they, when someone Namor cares about gets killed, then 
everybody gets killed. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's actually a pretty cool moment because yeah. he just like I don't have enough Namor history, but the not again, not again, and then just turns and looks at them like, "Oh, I'm gonna fuck your shit up." And it's, well, yeah, because these assholes, these assholes are uh, responsible for his girlfriend dying, his dad, yeah, uh, and now Betty. Uh, so he's just like, "Oh, motherfucker!" Yeah. Uh, so we pick up with super our super villain team up number three written by jim shooter penciled by george evans inked by jack abel colored by ellen vartanoff lettered by gaspar saladino and ray holloway um so namor gets into it and uh he he winds up being overpowered um <clears throat> And uh, Doom is sort of standing off to the side, just kind of watching all this. And he's like, well, I guess I have to step in. <laughs> and uh, so he gets Namor away. Uh, but Namor refuses to leave until he has had a chance to uh, to get revenge. So he attacks Doom, but Doom is able to teleport them back to Latveria. Um, Namor passes out and Doom has him patched up and put in this healing it's not quite water it's like water with super duper electrolytes or whatever uh, but it's tech bro water yeah it, it is it's it's like you know uh, it's one of those situations where it's just like Nah, man, but this one has, like, extra shit. It's, um, yeah, it's fancy Pedialyte. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, yeah, anyway, so he wakes up, and he's still fucking immediately pissed. Again, because, A, he's Namor. Doom and Namor basically swing their dicks at each other for a couple of minutes until they get their shit straight, form a plan, uh, and get ready to... Reassault. One, one thing I do really like is that when Namor comes to, a servant comes in and says, "Lord Doom has asked that you come to blah blah blah," and Namor's like, "He asked," and she's like, "Yes," and then somebody else comes in and, like, <laughs> Doom here is not just doing the whole like pseudo-hospitality, he's actually making an effort yeah. uh, and actually saying, like, I would like it very much if you could come and speak to me when you come up, when you wake up. Like, right. instead of being like, Doom orders your presence! Uh, so, yeah. Um, but Namor and Doom have their little deal out, um, at which point... Uh, we switch back to Tiger Shark, Dorcas, and Atuma, who come under attack from Doom and the Submariner. Um, Namor uh, frees the the amphib people uh, and then attacks, and uh, it's it's really cool because. 
Doom winds up being surrounded. So he takes these two missiles and slams them together, which kills everyone around him. Right. Uh, but his armor protects him. So he stands up and he's just like, Doom is triumphant. Uh, and uh, Dorcas winds up being killed by a falling Octo mech. So Namor is able to get his uh, his revenge there. Atuma and Tiger Shark are taken into custody, at which point Doom, like, there's this there's this annoying little jester dude named Sarusan who is like running around like being an asshole, and he had apparently made fun of Doom earlier. So Doom is just like, oh, you like imitating me, do you? How about you imitate me like this? And makes him like slam two missiles together, which explodes and kills him. And Namor's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I'm not against killing an enemy, but he was no threat to you. And Doom is just like, Doom does as Doom wishes, you know? And yeah. Yeah. So uh, we have the splintering of their alliance here, uh, which leads into... Supervillain team-up number four, which is written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by Herb Trimpey, inked by Jim Mooney, colored by Don Warfield, and lettered by Karen Mantlo. Uh, the, the alliance is over, and uh, they start trading punches. Um, meanwhile, there is a U.S. naval ship nearby that has... Uh, a captain by the name of Riker on board who is trying to find a power source for his symbionic man. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, and his whole goal has been following around ultra powerful people in the hopes that he can siphon off some of the energy that they produce and so having namor and doom in one place and apparently fighting each other is super good for that because it means he can siphon a bunch of energy from their fight uh that goes a little sideways when namor knocks doom into the ship caving in a large section of it but luckily it's right in the same section that Riker was standing he puts these weird headphones on top of doom when he's distracted and proceeds to siphon off a bunch of energy all at once um apparently powering this symbiotic man who maybe oh and there's an editor's box it's box at some place that's like if you've read deathlock you know this name and i was yeah. like i have read deathlock are you telling me that that Riker is this Riker? No. Yes. I, I ref and basically my mind rebelled and I wouldn't allow that information um, well, because so... I liked Deathlock when it was like a different earth. Well, it is. It's a, it's a possible future. So sure. Simon Riker in that is an older version of the dude who shows up here. Right. Uh, so yeah, but we as we as we discussed when Deathlock when we were reading the Deathlock storyline, 
Uh, there is actually a story in Captain America where where Luther Manning is able to avert the future he comes from. Um, so, but yeah, this guy is ostensibly the same one who will wind up creating the Deathlock Cyborg. Uh, but in the end, <clears throat> um, Doom and Namor both leave. Uh, Doom considers the whole thing a failure. Namor is just like, fuck this. Fuck everybody from the surface. I'm out. Uh, which, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of funny that, uh, we start this storyline and it's like, oh, Doom undergoes maybe a moment of personal growth. But then by the end, it's just like all of our toys have to be back where they were. Uh, Doom has to be back to being an imperious prick and so on. So, yeah, nothing, nothing is really gained or lost here. Um, no, but, and even as like, as a journey, I kind of thought we were going to get something out of this, but now that we've gone back through and talked about it, I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's fine. It's fine. It's yeah. just, it has no, it has no oomph and it's not as fun. Like supervillain team up, I feel like should just be good, clean, uh, like escapist fun. Like right. you get to, you get to be, you get to go along with the villains for a little while and have them do their villainous shit. And that never really materializes here. Well, because they don't lean into it, right? Yeah. It's what ends up happening in these stories is it's ostensibly... The book's called Super Villain Team Up, but we don't actually see any villainy by our main characters. Because yeah. we immediately put them into a situation where they get to be heroes. That's kind of the problem with... Yeah, that's kind of the problem with Namor as villain anyway, is that he's always anti-hero at the worst. Yeah. Um, and I just, we just, it doesn't do enough. If you lean yeah. into it, it could be fun as hell, but they don't. They don't, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so, go ahead. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say, so, uh, Master of Kung Fu. Master of Kung Fu, number 22, written by Doug Mensch, penciled by Paul Galassi, inked by Dan Adkins, colored by Petra Goldberg, and lettered by Artie Simic. Uh, Shang-Chi is just trying to get some goddamn dinner. And so he goes to a Chinese restaurant, and he sits down, and he has a passable Chinese meal, uh, at which point he eats the fortune cookie, but because he's legit Asian and not just like, he's like, oh, I didn't know there was a piece of paper in here. Pulls it out and it says, a man very close to you will seek your death, Shang-Chi. At which point, like, all the waiters try to kill him. Uh, <clears throat> he fights them off and, you know, knocks them all out and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and... As he is dealing with all of them, he he puts he puts his actual waiter through through a window and into a car, uh, <clears throat> and 
once he's outside, he has a run-in with Sir Dennis Nayland Smith and Black Jack Tar, uh, who are coming to warn him about the attempt on his life. And he's just like, yeah, I know. And uh, But then apparently they find out that Shang-Chi's uh, Xing, father, Fu Manchu, is planning something big. So he, uh, they're like, we're going to go and uh, check out his headquarters. And Shang-Chi is like, I'm already on my way there. You should stay clear. <clears throat> but he gets there and their car's already there. They've already gone inside and they've already been captured. So Shang-Chi makes his way in um, and uh, follows... Follows Fu Manchu and the captured Nalin Smith and Tar uh, through Fu Manchu's headquarters until they get up to the roof where a plane is being loaded. Shang-Chi stows away on board uh, <clears throat> and um, when they arrive he follows them into this cave uh, wherein... He is, he is, Fu Manchu is getting ready to, uh, to achieve a quote-unquote symbolic victory, um, by blowing up this cave. Uh, Shang-Chi manages to stop it. Uh, there's some nitroglycerin that he winds up setting off away from them, but it doesn't cause any major damage. It's only when they come outside that they realize what Fu Manchu meant by a symbolic victory, and it turns out they were in Mount Rushmore, which, honestly, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but if Mount Rushmore was blown up, I can't say I'd be really all that upset about it. Like, I would not... Mount Rushmore is weird, right? Because when I was in, like, second to fourth grade... I remember thinking Mount Rushmore must be super cool. And then, but now I've reached an age, I guess, where I literally got to this panel and went, oh yeah, Mount Rushmore is a thing. Like, I forget, <coughs> I forget about Mount Rushmore. I don't forget about other landmarks. My, well, Mount Rushmore is honestly, it's one of those things that gets a lot more press than is warranted it's it's the kind of thing that people make a very big deal of mount rushmore when in fact what it is you go to you go to mount rushmore you pull up in the parking lot there's a mountain with some face uh, faces on it you're like yep that's a mountain with some faces on it now i never have to come here again like my parents went for their anniversary like two or three years ago and mom was like dad was thoroughly unimpressed because of course he was uh but mom was like i don't know i think i kind of agree with your dad and i'm like really <laughs> this is this is this is kind of your jam and she's like well you know and then she basically described exactly what you did it's like you park in the parking lot there's kind of a like an overlook so we went and did that, but there's too many people taking pictures, so you can't get any good pictures. And then there's like a path, but you can't even see the mountain from most of the trail. And 
then you go back to your car and you kind of wonder what you're going to do with the rest of it, your afternoon because now you're still in South Dakota. And I yeah. was like, I go, huh. So, like, to get my mom, like, <laughs> granted my dad probably didn't help, but to get, <laughs> to get my mom to kind of get down on an experience like that, that's that's got to be some real disappointing shit. It, uh, it really is. And, you know, the... The thing about it is that um, the the construction of it is so utterly and completely batshit insane. Like everything sure. surround everything surrounding Mount Rushmore is really interesting. Like how they did it, or how the guy did it. That's how cool. the how the guy was just like, we're gonna do this, and like died before it was done so it's completely unfinished and then like all of the indigenous peoples of the area were like hey you carved up one of our sacred mountains and they're like well how about we make it up to you by carving up another one of your sacred mountains but we'll do it with one of your big people instead of our big people and the indigenous peoples were like, I don't think you really get what we're saying here. <laughs> and, like, all of that is insanely interesting, which is why Mount Rushmore itself is so depressing, is because you get there and it's just kind of like, yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, All right. So, Master of Kung Fu, let's try to get through these to yeah. uh, uh, 23. Penciled by Al Milgram, inked by Klaus Jansen, colored by Linda Lessman, and lettered by John Costanza. Uh, Shang-Chi is staring at the Statue of Liberty when he's surprised by Black Jack Tar and kicks his ass. Uh, Black Jack Tar is like, I'm gonna, ah, whatever. Uh, but then it turns out they need to go to South America. So they do. Uh, and it turns out that Fu Manchu is, is meeting up to... Uh, potentially create an alliance with this Nazi named Wilhelm Bucher. And uh, it turns out, so... Uh, and Bucher, the whole, like, but from the outget, the whole, the whole alliance smells wrong. Yeah. Because this, they start explaining who this Nazi was, and it's like, that guy is going to make any kind of an alliance with anyone that isn't a super white dude. Yeah. I don't know. None of that really tracks. And yeah. they're kind of talking about it throughout the entire way down. Yeah, uh, because it turns out that like he he was like super Nazi. Like he he is way on board with the whole uh superiority thing. And yeah. he only only took a a Japanese liaison job because hitler himself told him to do it like and otherwise the japanese never... guy he's working with winds up leaving him to die yeah which just reinforces all of this stuff and yeah so they get to the amazon where they meet up with this boat and this guy uh raymond strong <clears throat> who is also acting fucking weird off the bat because like, ostensibly the conversation makes it sound like he doesn't want Shang-Chi on his boat because he's Fu Manchu's son, and he doesn't trust that. But also, 
all of his other language is super racist and you're yeah. like wait a minute this guy uh shang chi kind of hears his bullshit and is like you know what fuck it i'll probably be faster on the shore anyway and he v- ghosts um yeah. uh nayland or nayland smith and uh tar get onto the boat uh they're attacked by the Sai fan is that what they're called yeah y- yeah and uh. um shang chi comes out of nowhere to save smith from some gators meanwhile uh strom just straight up starts murdering dudes yeah, he he is gleefully murdering murdering Asian dudes, and uh, oh, and I knew that the jig was up as soon as he pulls out the gun because it's a Luger, and yeah. I was like, oh, this is the German, yeah, this this is the Nazi. Uh, okay, we're thank you, yeah, um, and gleefully murdering Asians and like an ass, and uh, <coughs> Smith basically calms chi down and is like just or shang chi down and just says just chill uh we just need him for the boat ride as soon as we're done with him we'll leave him i understand the situation just let's just use him for the boat and shang chi's like stoic about the whole thing and goes to meditate they catch up with the boat that they think fu manchu is on uh Shang-Chi jumps into the water, swims up to the boat, basically takes out just a whole mess of dudes at once. It's just like the Black Widow situation earlier, except Shang-Chi on a boat. And that's pretty rad. Yeah. Um, at the end of it, they find out that Shang-Chi, or Fu Manchu was never on the boat. He was never supposed to be on the boat. He's on a helicopter assailing Booker's... Uh, fortress already yeah Yeah. and so it's at this point that strong pulls off the mask and he's booker uh he shoots at shang chi shang chi dives into the water but like a bullet hits him in the shoulder uh but that's really the only time where like when we see shang chi again there's no bullet wound so whatever uh but uh Booker strands uh, Smith and Tar on the paddle wheel boat and takes off. Um, Fu Manchu is watching all of this and uh, he's like, yeah, I knew that Booker was going to try and kill me. It doesn't matter. I just need the plans for the weapon. Um, And uh, we find out that Smith, Sir Dennis Nayland Smith, knew strawn was booker but that it was like whatever we just needed him to take us to yeah, where we he, needed to go he was hoping uh, he would be able to trap them both at the same time yeah and it's like that seems like a lot for you to chew uh two dudes like yeah. so bad plan 24 uh, number 24 is penciled by Al Milgram, Jim Starlin, Alan Weiss, and Walt Simonson, which I think may be the first time we've come across Walt Simonson. Uh, inked by Sal Trapani, colored by Petra Goldberg, and lettered by Dave Hunt. Um, <clears throat> so Shang-Chi uh, replaces one of the dudes in the sea fan um, who are making their way toward the uh, 
compound of Booker. Um, <clears throat> Fu Manchu's helicopter arrives, and he weigh and he tells the pilot to just hover there for a minute. While he does so, uh, the Nazis see him and they're just like, "Oh, get all the stuff ready for the trap!" And Fu Manchu's like, "Yeah, I knew it." So they flew back. They fly away. Um, Smith and Tar get the boat working and start making their way to the compound as Booker arrives there himself. Um, so all of Fu Manchu's forces meet up. They make their plan, uh, wherein they split into two groups. One will go straight at the compound. The other will go around the other side. Um... And the entire plan is to catch the Nazis in the crossfire. There wind up being two different crossfires in this because first it's the sea fan catching the Nazis in the crossfire. Then the Nazis catch the sea fan in the crossfire between these two bunkers. There's crossfires galore. Um, but like all of the sea fan get wiped out. Uh, and then... Uh, Fu Manchu is captured and is about to be killed by Booker uh, when Shang-Chi is just like, I hate my father and it's not okay the shit he's done, but this is should not be how he dies. So he saves his father. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, by kicking this rocket launcher which causes it to go off course. It hits the side of this building and inside is a missile with a giant swastika on it because of course there is. Um, so what Nazis remain are killed by Smith and Tar who finally show up. Uh, Booker throws a knife at Shang-Chi wounding him. Uh, he tries it. Booker tries to set off the missile but he winds up falling and uh, dying and Shang-Chi deactivates it, blah, 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 whatever. Well, and he deactivated the missile earlier. Like when well, he yeah. was sulking around, he actually found, or skulking around, he actually found the, the, the silo with the missile in it, already deactivated it. So when Booker tries to fire it, nothing happens. And then he stumbles into the well yeah uh and he's dead and everybody or fu manchu got away because of course he did and that's the end yeah so uh top five top five the watcher's guides top five All right, number five, uh, that there is a ledger to rule the world. Like, that we're just going to take enough time to really plan this out and, you know, open up an Excel, an Excel spreadsheet and, like, get it figured out. I just think that's goofy as hell, uh, and I liked it. Uh, number four, the fighting in, Chang in Shang-Chi this week uh, was really good, and it's been solid through most of his solo book um it feels kinetic yeah. it feels good and this the thing that helped this week stand out even better is that the 
they backed off on the narration like during the fights they just let them happen and that's much it's really appreciated that that they can just stand on their own instead of like having to now i move into tiger fist and like that kind of thing that they used to be doing at the beginning um not doing that now and being just like i'm in a defensive stance here we go uh that's it's cool i like it it's better I'm starting to get to the point where I kind of understand the love for Shang-Chi. I'm not quite there yet. I'm beginning to think... But I'm getting there. I was struck with a notion while we were reading Shang-Chi... Or while I was reading Shang-Chi that I was like... Okay, you know... If you strip out a lot of, like, the uh, really bad shit... The racism... uh, The stereotypical stuff... um, there could be a movie in here that could be really fun. Yeah. I was really starting to see how that could happen. I was yeah. very disbelief when I first when it was first announced, but now I'm getting there. Uh number what am I in? Three. Uh Doom's moment of introspection. Just because even though it doesn't last, uh just the fact that Doom would take two minutes, sit down, review review some footage and be like, hmm. Doom does appear to get his ass kicked a lot. Hmm. Uh, number two, uh, the way that Punisher's backstory is told in uh, Presents, because, I, like I said, normally I'm super bored and don't care. Let's go. Uh, this was told with a lot more nuance and care than I think you... Definitely more than I expected from any Punisher story. And way more than I expected from a Presents book, which is usually, like I was saying earlier. Um, And then, number one is easily, with a bullet, Black Widow cleaning house. Because that was rad. It was the most fun all week. I enjoyed talking about it again. Um, And it's probably the most fun I've had with 2-in-1, really. Because 2-in-1's real spotty for me. Because sometimes the thing gets on my nerves. And he was solid this week. Uh, the first the first couple issues of two and one were a nice surprise. Then it was just kind of like, uh, okay. <coughs> but yeah, this was a definite upswing. Absolutely. <coughs> and I called it too. Excuse like me. last week, I was like, I remember seeing the cover for this issue of two and one, and was like, thing in Black Widow. That might actually be fun. Like, I didn't know why I thought that, but I was like, yeah, this could be good. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad it was. So, that's me. Yes, you're very very smart. Shut up. I am. I'm (laughs) I'm an incredibly clever bastard. Uh, Uh, Go ahead. So, uh, number number five is the fact that Doom Straight doesn't give a shit that his androids have religion. Yeah, that's just... It's brought to his attention, and he's just like, yeah, that's the thing they do whatever and even namor's like uh but like is it okay this doesn't seem like i mean you're the guy but what nah it's fine okay uh number four is this model that thinks he deserves royalties for a for a pulp like you those things weren't making a lot of money in the beginning buddy so I don't know what. Well, and and plus, like, 
Fabio's not out here talking about how like he deserves royalties for all of the books he's on the cover of. No, like you do your job, you get paid, that's it, you're done. Fabio you made his own brand, man. You got to get yeah. out there if you want to be Fabio and make money off of being Fabio. Hey, more power to you, but you got to control that brand. Yeah. Um Number three is Shang-Chi can't even get dinner without some fucking assassins showing up. Uh, number two is Doom Twine to make a friend. Aww. Uh, and number one was the uh, the Black Widow. That was, that was a really enjoyable issue. And yeah. And yeah, she mopped it the fuck up. Uh, <clears throat> now next week... We do have a whole lot of Cap, a uh, couple issues of Avengers, Ghost Rider, and some more uh, Shang-Chi. So, uh, but yeah, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us both individually and at WatchersGuideMU. Uh, send us email at WatchersGuide at gmail.com. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, whatever else you may use, or visit our website at watchersguide.com. Uh, that is it for us, and have a marvelous week. Bye. Bye.